0: quit eyeballing what others have you won't go without with plenty left over in Chronicles it says since the people began giving offerings to the Lord they had enough for their needs with plenty left over plenty left over God's style is plenty left over hallelujah that's his way that's his will
1: Welcome to the City Light Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us today as we look into God's Word and discover the hope and truth that He has for us. If you want to connect with City Light Church, feel free to visit us at CityLightNYC.com. That's CityLightNYC.com. Pastor Boyan Jancic and his team believe that the power of the Holy Spirit is already working in our hearts and minds. As you listen to today's teaching, remember that you are deeply loved by God, that you are surrounded by His grace, and that He has a real hope and a future for you.
0: Hallelujah. Well, open up your heart to receive this morning. Because that's what the Lord wants to do. He's in the giving business. Hopefully, if you've been around Christianity for five minutes, you've gotten that that the Lord's in the given business. And given is what he likes to do. But that seems to be difficult for us as people to really get. Because out in life, we're getting our butts kicked. Life can be harsh. And then religion, religion makes it seem like God's in the taking business. And God's never looking to see what he can take from you. He's looking to see what he can get to you. Even when he wants to take something from you, it's so that he can get even more of the thing that you really need to you. But we need to position ourselves to realize God is a fountain, an ever-flowing fountain, and he doesn't run out. People are funny and and something by the way can I confess something to you I I have a lot of tolerance that the Lord gave me, and a pastor should have a lot of for all manner of sin I can sit down and talk to a crackhead I can sit down all manner of sin somebody who's in promise I won't list all the sins but all manner of sin but something that I have a hard time around is cheapness, stinginess, a poverty mindset, a lack. It's such a disgusting spirit. I could feel it a mile away. I disdain it. And I'm like, Lord, help me to love a person, but I'm having a hard time because, and this has nothing to do with, oh, they're cheap with me. No, give me a break. (laughs) I'm talking about I'm talking about everything they say, their whole worldview, their whole outlook, is through a lens of lack. Everything is not enough. Their world is a sad world. Their world is a not enough world. Oftentimes we're affected with this demonic virus when we're children. Oftentimes it's handed to us by parents and circumstances. And so we see everything through this lens of poverty and lack, people who believe that the world is getting too populous, the world can't sustain. Before all of this population talk was popular, and before we even heard of this ever-growing population, when the world was still around 5 billion people in the 90s, I remember just, it was either late in high school or early in college, I was just perusing the Barnes & Noble on Austin Street in Forest Hills, Queens. And I came across this book, I tried to get it, I don't know the exact title, but I'm paraphrasing, it was something like, and it was in the secular section, but it was called God's Abundant Beautiful Green Earth, and it laid out the case for how our globe, our Earth, could easily, effortlessly sustain a population of 50 billion, how God put inside our planet everything that's needed for easily a population of fifty billion plus. God is not cheap. God is super, but people are cheap. Can somebody, somebody, get me a Bible, please? Thank you. The Bible says that his cup runs over. What version is this, sweetheart? The old King James. King James. Is this your Bible? Yeah, your Bible. And how old are you? Sixteen. I want thee to know that thine father <laughs> is well pleased with thee, daughter of God. Asked her what version? She said, Yolde King James A. <laughs> Alright, we're speaking of the nineties, we're going back to the nineties where preachers had to thumb through Bibles and find find the verse. And I used to have almost all the stories memorized, but then Google came along. And then it's kind of like driving. I used to know how to get everywhere, but not anymore. What is it first, Pastor James? Could you just remind me of when when the Queen of Sheba comes to visit Solomon? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So this service is already starting off completely differently than the first service. Uh, what is it? Is it? <clears throat> nine. And I'm in Second Kings 9. I knew there was a 9 there and a second book of something. OK. So the Queen of Sheba, really rich, rich, wealthy queen, visits Solomon. Interesting, fun tidbit. My mom perks up because she knows what I'm going to say. She became lifelong friends as an interpreter during the 1984 Olympic Games. She became lifelong friends with the sister of Wendell Phillips, a famous archaeologist, who was the first person to provide physical evidence, found it out in Yemen, physical evidence of the Queen of Sheba's existence. And we became lifelong friends to just recently until she passed. Just fun fact, throwing it out there. Let's go to Second Chronicles 9. Could you Google there was no more spirit within her? Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's start at the beginning. Second Chronicles 9, one. I have a message, by the way. If you're a guest and you're like, wow, it's kind of really chill at this church and he's just taking his time. I mean, typically I'd already be in three out of my six points. Point number three. Point number four. But it's what the Lord wants. Also also it's August chill. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. But this is really what the Lord wants. I've been waiting on him and he's a gift giver. And I've found when I'm rattling off points there's some people that are getting something but a lot of you you get caught up in the information and then you don't catch what the Holy Spirit himself wants to give to you. I'm just trying to assist what he's trying to give to you and that's, that's where the sophistication of good pastoring and preaching comes in. Something that's a lifelong journey is you got, you got to align with what God wants because he's just trying to get his gifts to people. And the first person who can mess that up is the pastor, the preacher. He's got to get his points through. He's got to show how smart he is and how he studied all through the week and impress you with the Greek and the Hebrew. But just like this, in this environment, the Lord is massaging your heart and getting things to you. And I went off in a completely different way in the first service. But the second service, as soon as worship ended, it was just clear to me that we need to touch on God's massive abundance. And that there's there's folk, you're going to be hindered. You're going to be hindered in your life. If you've been afflicted by that lack of spirit, it's a spirit. You know who had that spirit? Judas. Judas had that spirit. Should not have this costly oil from this alabaster box, should not have been sold and given to the poor. <laughs> what did Judas ever do for the poor? You'll notice anyone who ever talks about the poor, they never do anything for the poor. I've never met somebody who who talks like that but actually helps the poor. People say, I don't give to the church. They don't help the poor enough. Oh, okay. So what are you doing on the side for the poor? Well, nothing. Oh, you really have a burning passion there inside of you, huh? And people like that are never satisfied. I can say we've built over 40 churches, community centers in Guatemala, orphanage in Ethiopia. There's not much you can do for the poor here in America, by the way, except what we're doing. Because it's not a, some of you, you're going to, when I say this, it's not an issue of money. It's an issue of mental health and inner healing. You keep throwing money at the, it's not helped so far. What makes you think more will help? A lot of times, when the Bible says "help the poor," it means the poor. What you think is poor? There's homeless people with cell phones. <laughs> Listen, I did. I did street ministry. That's what I cut my teeth on for years. I know the ins and I've had every conversation. Even jokingly, I said I've never been in a crack house. Been very close. In the first service, when I mentioned that, New York is the only place where you'll find overweight homeless people. So when we help poor people, we help poor people, like eight people in a mud hut poor. Like don't know where the next meal is coming, no little card, no government, no nothing, poor. But do you notice Jesus' response to Judas was, the poor you have with you always. There will always be until the culmination in that day and the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our God, there will be poverty. But Jesus didn't think anything of that oil worth a year's wages was poured out on him. Some of you with the poverty spirit would go, stop the waste. And that's what Judas said. He said, what manner of waste is this? What a waste. And that sweet woman was just getting wasted on Jesus. God wants to snap that lack spirit. I'm working with just, you got to start young. I'm training my kids to have an abundance mindset. One of the things now, my son is gonna watch these old videos and say, Dad, he knows I love him. As you know, he's at that age where, say, we get ice cream, he immediately sees who has the bigger cone. You know? And he's like, Dad, can I have your cone? I'm like, We have the same ice cream. Why do you want my cone? God, looks like you got a half inch extra. She was heavy handed when she served your softie. I'm trying to nip that in the bud now. Let's see you finish that one, which you won't. I'll get you another one. Have you ever gone without? No. So quit eyeballing what others have. You won't go without. With plenty left over. In Chronicles it says, since the people began giving offerings to the Lord, they had enough for their needs with plenty left over. Plenty left over. God's style is plenty left over. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's his way. That's his will. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the blessing of God had been activated in Solomon's life. And he became very, very wealthy. You can actually calculate how much wealth and no one to this day has touched it, nowhere near. How can you calculate the wealth? It tells you, it names how many talents of gold. You can't calculate all of it because there's some things that aren't named. But already if you calculate, the ta- a talent is 75 pounds. So it'll tell you how many talents of gold, how many talents of silver, all the other precious metals. And he's already looking in the rear at 1 trillion. So whether it's the Rockefellers or Elon Musk or the blessing of God on Solomon, And when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon, she came to prove Solomon with hard questions at Jerusalem, with a very great company, and camels that bear spices and gold and abundance and precious stones. And when she was come to Solomon, she communed with him. She communed with him of all that was in her heart. And Solomon told her all her questions. There was nothing hid from Solomon, which he told her not. You don't have the old-day King James Day, so we can all? No. No. What kind of a heathen church is this? You don't have God's version of the Bible on your But you have the passion, right? The passion you got, the paraphrase you got. but <laughs> oh, I don't even know who's back there. I just see a silhouette. Is it still you, Hester? Oh, Cassandra, okay. (laughs) To me, it's like a 1980s Tony the Tiger commercial where they're all, you know, with the black silhouette around. I don't see anything. All right, next verse. And when the queen of Sheba had seen the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he built, and the meat of his table, and the sitting of his servants and the attendance of his ministers and their apparel, his cupbearers also, and their apparel, and his ascent by which she went into the house of the Lord. There was no more spirit in her. This wealthy, wealthy, ultra-wealthy queen comes to the servant of the Lord's house Why would she do that? Well, of course, for negotiations, proper treaties, and to check him out. Let's see if it's true what I've heard. And it says there's no more spirit within her. That's the old-day King James Day. Was that an important? Okay. We'll save it. I don't know if it's something you got on the floor when the Lord was working on you two years ago and you took a little piece of lint as memory... What Pastor James has got you covered. She's looking at him, checking him out, and she goes, "Huh, oh, your house. Huh, oh, your cupbearers. Huh, oh, your servants. Huh, oh, your apparel, their apparel, your whole kingdom. Huh." Oh. And she faints. That's what no more spirit within her means. In the old day King James, it's no more spirit. You look at a lot of other versions. It says that she faints. She can't take. She's overwhelmed by how much God has blessed him. That is God's way. That is God's style. Even Psalm 23, which religion made, a funeral psalm. That's what religion is. Religion is a giant funeral. Everything is sad and depressing. The most beautiful psalm. Psalm 23 is a prosperity and abundance psalm. And religion comes in, and they put some deadhead in a dog collar, always on TV, standing, Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today. Let's turn to Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk through the... What? What's talking about? Your head being anointed with oil. Coming by still waters. He's the Lord, my shepherd. He leads me not to a bunch of tumble, dried out weeds. Fresh, tender, juicy, green pastures. And then he causes my cup to overflow. We don't realize what a precious commodity water is. With this new house, all the faucets, that hit me just the other day. I thought, this is so lovely. You can't forget, like I want water. I hit a switch and... Because the pressure in the house is so good. I love good water pressure. In the shower, I don't want to do a lot of work. I want the water to blast the dirt right off of me. It must have been from all those years in county, you know. I appreciate you getting that, Brian. Very few else did. So water is so precious. And here it says, my water cup, it overflows. Do you know what a poverty Judas mindset calls that? Waste. Oh, And God says, This is my way. I don't run out. I have abundance. Was it this service or the first service? Because both services have been different, even last week. I mentioned that when Nathan busted David, Nathan the prophet, when he busted David after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba, Nathan lists everything that God gave to David. You got lands, you got the crown you got a palace, and then he says if that had not been enough God would have given you much, much more too muches, because he's a too much God much, much more you know that battering ram in medieval days that's what I'm using right now on some of you I'm coming against that cemented part of your psyche it's been cemented over by religion, by your own gnarly experiences that have warped you and shaped you, where you're in a defensive position and you just got, you're grabby. You just see the world as cold, <clears throat> filled with lack, and you just got to get yours and eke out an existence. I rebuke that mindset in Jesus' name. God is a God of abundance goodness Jesus said fear not little flock in some versions fear not little children it's your father's good pleasure to give to you the kingdom it's your father's good pleasure to give to you good gifts let me since (laughs) my eyes did land on you earlier Brian you're a dad just like me What's one of the, the funnest things you get to do in life? Isn't that the best? He said, give stuff to your kids. That's like the funnest. I had a few folk over my house yesterday and they saw this, this teddy bear. It was a seven-foot teddy bear. Because once, once my daughter just said, Daddy, I want a teddy bear as big as you. And I just thought, I just thought, let's see how we can make this happen. And I looked online and you'd be surprised. You'd get some giant teddy bears. But I had the best time. I'm now 47 years old. It's 11 p.m. And I'm like, (laughs) and I'm, I'm looking at different teddy bear features. Remember when I opened it? I was giddy, cause she was asleep when we opened it. It came in a it came in a box like this. I didn't know what it. We're getting so many shipments because we just moved. I thought, but it was heavy, and I thought maybe it's my new toolbox, and that I'm gonna have the handyman I hire use. (laughs) You laugh too loud, wife. (laughs) But I open it up and it's this brown thing, all, and I'm like. And then there's instructions, like open it and stand back. (laughs) So it was shrink-wrapped, and then I thought, how's the quality if they got him this? Well, I slice it open, and out pops, seven-foot teddy bear, great quality. What's my point here about selling y'all teddy bears? (laughs) I had a delight in giving my child a gift. You know where that delight comes from? It's because I'm such a nice guy all by myself. No, we're made in the similitude of God. There's nothing to do with me. In and of myself, I'm a murderer. That is what the Lord put in me. It comes from him. He is the father who loves to give good gifts to his kids. What are you facing right now? You have some goals, some things you'd like to see happen. Number one, number one, before we get into God's abundance, make sure you have bowed the knee to Jesus in every area of your life. Make sure that you're not marrying him for his money. Make sure you're marrying him out of relationship and because of intimacy. Get to a place where you love the person of Christ. One of the fastest ways to get there real quick is dwell on all of your sin for a little bit and realize you're worthy of hell. And then realize that every single one of them has been thoroughly and completely punished. The wrath of God has already come down on your sin in the person of Jesus, in the body of another. And then take that thought and then begin to worship God. And that's how you quickly will fall in love with him and get into that relationship with him. And then you start to bend the knee. We like to phrase it like bend the knee once and for all. Sometimes, but for many people, it's many knee bendings before you actually allow him to have full lordship over you. Because you don't trust him. The only reason why somebody wouldn't be surrendered totally to Jesus is because they don't trust him. And I get that. Why should I trust him? I don't have much of a history with him. I mean, the Bible tells me to trust him, but other than that, and besides that, everybody I've ever trusted before has done me dirty, so why should I now trust him? Do you believe in him? I do. Do you believe he's maker of heaven and earth? I do. Why won't you surrender your whole life? I don't, I don't really trust him. I also love my sin a lot too, but it's also because I don't trust him. And what really, when somebody says, starts talking about the sins and what, what their addictions are, what they're really saying is, I don't trust that the Lord Can fulfill me and make me happier than these counterfeit pleasures I'm so into. So, what the Lord does then is He takes you on a journey and He asks you to surrender something small. And you do that. And you go, Oh, it's actually better His way than my way. And the Lord asks you to surrender something else. And you go, All right. And then, a little while later, you realize that didn't hurt so bad either, and I'm actually better now than before. And Over time, for some people, this can be weeks. That's the accelerated program. For some, it could be months. For some, they're slow learners. There are people. The Bible talks about people who oppose themselves. That's one of my biggest frustrations as a pastor. God loves you more than you love you. I see that God loves you. I want to see you get help. and you're trying to receive but you're like this let let me help you out you're a person who opposes themselves you say you want help, you say you want to get better you say you want your life to be lifted up but you're constantly tripping yourself up ask God to put you on the accelerated plan don't make it a years long journey that whole story of the children of Israel leaving Egypt that's for the people who oppose themselves. That was a trip like from here to Rhode Island. They should They were walking it. It should have taken, put it in Google Maps. It should have taken about 11 days. 11 day journey. Took them 40 years. This, and all of you know exactly what I'm talking about, whether you've been in the church five minutes or 50 years. You know why? Because it's a famous story. Why? Because it speaks to everyone. That you can be going around in circles for 40 years. I read that as a teenager and I said, this cannot be my story. Because I knew then, 50, 60 year olds, and when they tell me the tale of their life, I just realized, always asking, never receiving, every day like the previous one. No, God has a better way for you. God loves you. And if you will surrender, God wants to take your hand and show you the short route in. The 11-day journey. As opposed to taking 40 years and eventually dying and then your children doing it. Oh, we're still back to... Back to so she faints. She's overwhelmed by Jehovah Jireh, the more-than-enough God. Jehovah Jireh is actually the, the providing God the provisional God El Shaddai is the more than enough the too much God I think sometimes God in his nature, and his character he definitely has a sense of humor and he'll mess with you he messed with Peter and said, throw your net on the other side. Peter was like, we've been fishing all night. But he messed with him because he caught so many fish, his net began to break and his boat began to sink. I picture Jesus just belly laughing on the beach there. <laughs> <laughs> ah! <laughs> you said there were no fish! <laughs> and now you did it my way, huh? Who's laughing now, ah! And Peter's like, this boat is sinking, the net is breaking, what happened? Someone from the beach goes, what happened? That Jesus, he gave too much! Too much! When they fed the 5,000, which is really the 15,000, they carried up 12 baskets of leftovers. The Bible says they were all eaten and were full, so think about it, the baskets of leftovers, there was more left over than the initial amount of food that was presented to the people. A few fishes and a few loaves. That's his way, that's his style. Today's service apparently is being shaped and molded for you to take that with you. That when you approach God, you're not approaching some miserly grump in a dark corner of the cosmos. Who's got like his recycling money in a linty pocket, and you're at, and you're approaching Almighty God, Jehovah Jireh, El Elyon, the high and lifted one, El Shaddai, the all sufficient one. He actually doesn't have to get stuff like that you need, it it comes out of him. And when you now think of him in this way, I'm not giving you a to-do list. This is a mind renewing here. You think of him this way, you see him in this way, and you'll begin to receive these things because you're relating to him based on the authenticity of his character. You're seeing him as he really is. Is this registering? You can have a deadhead religious person who prays eight hours a day, but nothing ever happens because they're praying to God through a lens, a warped lens. They're not seeing him through the scriptures as he really is. So they're praying with a scarcity mentality. They're praying with guilt. They're praying with condemnation. They're not praying like a little kid jumping on their dad's lap and saying, Lord, I want to give you delight. Do you know how you give the Lord delight? The Bible says the Lord takes pleasure. He takes delight in the prosperity of his servant. So jump on his lap and let him delight in you and take pleasure in you. Because what does him good is the prosperity of his servant. Hallelujah. God is... What what we're going to do, I hate to say bye to anyone, I love you, but I know how this goes. Some of you, you love poverty so much, you're going to run off. There are some good churches here, though. They're going to tell you that God is angry with you. And they're going to give you a big religious to-do list and you'll be right at home with that. (laughs) But what's happening here with the others is that you are being realigned, you're being shifted. I've been doing this now 21 plus years. This what I'm sensing? There was only one other time before in 2009, 2010, when the Lord caused us to be thrust upwardly, but that was like 10% of what I'm sensing now. The Lord wants to come upon our church. Corporately, what he's going to do, to city-like church, the church, but then individually. And this is something that's got to be, it cannot be in your psyche. It cannot be part of your mentality for God to take you where he wants to take you. You cannot be a cheapskate. You cannot be bound by lack. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's keep reading. Then she said to the king, verse five. And she said to the king, It was a true report which I heard in mine own land of thine acts and of thy wisdom. Howbeit, I believed not their words until I came, and mine eyes had seen it. And behold, the one half of the greatness of thy wisdom was not told me, for thou exceedest the fame that I heard. Happy are thy men. This is the Queen of Sheba after the ushers picked her up. (laughs) Happy are thy men and happy are thy servants which stand continually before thee and hear thy wisdom. Blessed be the Lord thy God which delighted in thee to set thee on his throne to be king for the Lord thy God because thy king loved Israel to establish them forever therefore made he the king over them to do judgment and justice I'm reading out of the old King James you're seeing the new King James on the screen and I feel like this is one big commercial for the new King James (laughs) so she's absolutely blown let's keep reading And she gave the king 100... Wait, what? (laughs) This is like you're going to Elon Musk's house and you write Elon a check. Elon, I'm so impressed by all that you have. Here's something for you. (laughs) Why in the world is the queen of Sheba giving Solomon money? Why would she do that? In fact, it says during Solomon's reign, gold was still precious, but silver was like out in the streets. It was counted as nothing. There'd be a silver coin and someone would be like, a penny today. Is it worth the bending over and picking it up? That's how wealthy Solomon was. It's not because Solomon needed to receive. It's because Sheba needed to give. It's not because Solomon needed to receive, it's because Sheba needed to give. And so when we give, it's not because someone has to receive, it's because we have to give. We shouldn't just look at someone and say, oh, they're in need, I'll give to them. When you give to God, do you really think he needs it? He doesn't need to receive. We need to give. And that's how we show honor. So watch this. I didn't even think I'd get to this part. I just wanted to show you God's abundance in the first few verses. So she gave the king 120 talents of gold. Uh, Somebody quick, whip out their calculator. A talent is 75 pounds. Do 75 times 16. 1,200. And gold right now is at, let's just round that, 1,900. Do 1,200 times 1,900. How much? Oh, I'm missing something. Hold on. No, sorry. It's 75 times 16. Did I say divide? 75 times 16. To see how many ounces we're dealing with here. And I multiply that by 1,800. 2,160,000 No, we're missing something because, sorry, I'm sorry, this is like Bueller, Bueller, the bad math class One talent is 75 pounds and she gave 20 talents so you multiply that amount by 20 120 all right, she gave exactly a lot. <laughs> it's over $100 million in today's terms. Spices in great abundance and precious stones, there never were any spices such as those the Queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. Verse 10. Also the servants of Hiram and the servants of Solomon. You chuckled when I started reading this. Did Debbie read this? when you... Good God. Is that right? She heard me preaching it one day. and she. I haven't preached on this. I remember this from Bible school when she taught there. And when I saw you perk up, I thought, I bet, I bet Debbie went here. This is her gem message. Also, the servants of Haram and the servants of Solomon, who brought gold and Ophir, brought algam wood and precious stones. And the king made walkways of the algam wood for the house of the Lord and for the king's house also harps and stringed instruments for singers, and there were none such as these seen before in the land of Judah. Now King Solomon gave to the queen of Sheba all she desired. What is happening here? She gives to him, but you cannot outgive the king. It is impossible. She gives to him, And now, there has to be a reciprocity. This is why Jesus never ever talked about giving without also talking about receiving. Never, ever, once. Never once. Whenever he talked about giving, he immediately talked about receiving. They go hand in hand. I feel bad for people who just feel like God is asking them to give their money away. Because eventually you're going to run out and be upset, you're going to be angry, you're going to end up somewhere deconstructing with some millennial somewhere, <laughs> saying how the church lied to you and you got to believe <laughs> believe, believe that when you sow, you're going to reap back over and over again, the apostle Paul used, not just Paul but even the Old Testament writers agrarian terms farming terms, sowing and reaping any farmer, no, it's impossible to sow a seed watered, our water is faith that you don't get a harvest back so now immediately, this is King Solomon obviously here's a type and shadow of Christ there's immediately a response from heaven, King Solomon gave to the Queen of Sheba all she desired whatever she asked, much more than she had brought to the king, much more so we give by the way, this was not supposed to turn into an offering message. I was I was talking about abundance. So those of you who are guests, I always think of the guests, they're going to go, "Wow, he had me set up and then it turns out the whole message was an offering message. It's not." And if it bothers you, I encourage you with all of my heart, don't give. Don't give just no, The ushers aren't trained. They're not going to be going in your pockets or just This is, I want to get a principle across to you. You just chill and. But if you do have a problem with giving, that is a manifestation of a poverty spirit, of a lack mentality. Always is. It's a good gauge. So. God's reciprocity is more than what she sowed. Whatever she asked, much more than she had brought to the king. So she turned and went to her own country, she and her servants. Is that the end of the chapter? It goes on. It just goes on to talk about his wealth. Thank you, Lord. You know what? The service isn't over, but we need a we need a praise break. I want the Lord to come and speak to some of you. I've been pressing into the Lord. And those of you who've been coming, you know, I don't normally minister this way. In fact, the first service was a completely different message. But you just have to believe that you're here at the right place, at the right time. And God wants to give you, wants to give you what you need.
1: This is the City Light Church Podcast. If you've missed any part of today's message, or if you would like to find out more about Pastor Boyan Jancic and City Light Church, visit us at citylightnyc.com. That's citylightnyc.com. Feel free to visit us online or in person anytime. We would love to connect with you. We pray that you have been encouraged today, that you have been reminded how much God loves you, and that you are surrounded by grace. Thank you for listening. Make sure that you subscribe to City Light Church Podcast wherever you find your favorite podcasts worldwide.